Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Hey, during this series, we've been looking at what does it mean for us to be Christians? What does it mean for us to be disciples? What does it look like for a Christian to be a Christian, for a disciple to make disciples? And we've been saying it looks like this, that you're going to love God and you're going to love people, Uh, that you're going to read God's word, that you're going to pray, that you're going to spend time in community with others, that you're going to serve, that you're going to uh, you're going to worship, that you're going to look for opportunities to see needs and meet those needs all to the glory of God. And what we want to do for the next three weeks is we want to look at these three things called our time and our talents and our treasure. And these are the three things that if we will make these investments with our time, talents, and treasure, it will make a kingdom difference. So next week we'll look at, and don't, I don't want you to miss next week, but we're going to look at our, our time and how idle time can get us into a lot of trouble. Amen? But if we invest our time in some healthy ways, it can make a kingdom difference. We can look at our talents in serving. We'll look at that on the 11th. But then today we want to take a look at our treasure. And so with that being said, you might be asking yourself, why in the world are we talking about money, Pastor? And here's why. Not talking about money. We're talking about stuff. We're talking about wealth. We're talking about the belongings that we've had and that we've been entrusted with. And I want you to trust me now and believe me later. You can look it up on the internet because I'm pretty sure it's true. That's funny. No laugh. Okay. All right. So um, with that being said, Jesus talks more about money and resources than any other topic combined. It is the number one competitor to our heart's devotion for him. Yet we seldom talk about it in a way that is healthy and or if I'm being honest, biblical. But for me, one of the things that we have to do is we have to look at our mind. And we have to look at how we view stuff, possessions, resources, our jobs, our life. There's a scripture that kind of just summarizes this message. And it comes from uh, it comes from Proverbs 23, verse 7. If you have your notes, it's on the top of your notes. It says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You see, the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. And so today, really what we're doing is, is we're looking at our hearts. So if you would, if you would, just because we did this earlier, but would you just take your hand and would you place it on your heart right now? And I just want to pray. So Lord God, would your will be done in our hearts? Because this is a heart issue, God. We don't want our will to be done. We want your will to be done. And it's going to take a supernatural touch from you to our hearts to make a difference. We love you, but only because you love us first. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if we're serious about wanting to be a steward of what God has entrusted us with, it's going to take, I think, at least three things, maybe four things. So I've got four things that I want to share with you. Number one, if you're taking notes, if you would write this down. And I don't want to assume it, but here it is, is that we need to hold a biblical view of our possessions. We need to be willing to have a source from which we look to and guide. And it's really funny. We'll look to God's word for all kinds of relationship advice, life advice, prayer advice. But when it comes to resources and and, and, and our possessions, a lot of times we forget that God speaks quite clearly about that. Whether or not you know this or not, everything that you have is not yours. It's God's. That means your clothes are God's. It means the car that you drove in this morning is is God's. It means the condominium that you live in is God's. It means your pet cat 
is not God's. Uh, no, I know they're from there. They're the devil. Uh, but no, but uh, everything scripture says, let's take a look at Psalm, Psalm 24, verse one says these words. It says, Psalms 23 says this, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Would everyone say everything? I spent a tremendous amount of time looking at what the meaning of everything was this week. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. And I came up with a profound observation that everything means what? Everything. It means everything. Even that darn cat. It's all the Lord's. It's not ours. And so, for example, when I was a kid, and it's cute because children are born cute and selfish. Yes? I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and uh, blessed to have grown up in a little area, pocket of Portland, called Happy Valley. And outside of our window in Happy Valley, we would wake up at about four days a year. We could see, because there's no rain, and we could see uh, Mount Hood. And as a child, I remember moving to that house and seeing Mount Hood, and people would come, and they would visit, and I would say, my Mount Hood. My Mount Hood. And as a child, I thought that was my Mount Hood. Um, I used to say Mount, he- Mount St. Helens, but it erupted, right? You know, so, uh, all right, my Mount Hood. And it was kind of cute as a child. Um, and then people would correct me. They're like, well, it's not your Mount Hood. You know, it's God's, you know, and all that. And like, no, my Mount Hood. Have you ever had a kid say mine? Mine? And it's not cute when that kid grows up and still thinks Mount Hood is theirs. That their, that their, their stuff, their belonging is theirs. Because the truth is, it's not theirs, it's his. So the second wisest person to ever live on planet Earth, Jesus being the first, Solomon in the Old Testament being the second, speaks a lot about possessions. When he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, and by the way, this is the same passage, where he talks about the meaning of life and how everything is meaningless except for a relationship with the Lord. He says, and I wrote it on your notes, just Ecclesiastes 5, that whoever loves money is never going to have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never going to be satisfied. This too is meaningless, he says. So this is some 900 years before Christ is on the scene and Solomon is saying if you're, if you're just pursuing stuff, you're going to pursue something that is meaningless. Now I want to go ahead and tell you something. That money in and of itself is not the problem. Money is kind of neutral. What we choose to do with money is where we get ourselves in trouble. Amen. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of what? Evil. So all of a sudden, when we're loving money, more than we're loving God is when we get ourselves into trouble. And so why is that? And here's why. It's because when we look to money instead of God, we look to money to solve things that God only should. Whether it's security, whether it's safety, whether it's significance, it's freedom or it's power, oftentimes misguided attention goes to resources to make us feel those way when there should be only one who produces that in our life and it's our relationship with our Lord. So with that being said, if we're serious about being a good and faithful steward, we need to make sure, number one, that we're holding to a biblical understanding. Number two, if you would, and this is mission critical, this step is essential to becoming a faithful steward, if you would write this down, is we have to place God first in our finances. We just have to put him there. And if he's not there in your life, then that's, a, that's something that you really need to look at. And for some of you that have been putting God first in your finances for decades, you know what I'm talking about. It's the best decision you've ever made. Amen? It's the best decision you've ever made. This really is, though, a trust issue, and it will determine your breadth and your depth of faith. 
One of my favorite scriptures comes uh, in the Old Testament, the Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says that we're to trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make our steps obvious. He'll make our path straight. See, when we begin to learn from leaning on our own understandings, it leads us down some really dark roads that have a very hefty price. Do you know what I'm talking about? When we do that, we get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. But when we begin to trust the Lord in this specific area, it opens up an entire world of possibilities. And this is called stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. Now, that is a word we don't use. Maybe you've heard of a steward on an airplane, but the idea of steward is simply this. It means a manager or an administrator. And as Christians, we have been called to be managers, administrators, or stewards of God's stuff. We call it treasure, we can call it, we can call it money, we can call it assets, but in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, he says that each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. And so that's our job. Our job is to be seen and viewed as a good and faithful steward. And I just want to remind you, I'm going to be having this talk next week about stewarding our time. Because here's the thing, we can make more money, but we can't make more time. So, so we need to steward our time, our talents, where we're serving, how we're serving, making sure we're equipped to do the work of ministry. But this, at the end of the day, a stewardship becomes a heart issue. And I got you, we prayed about your heart. And so this is what scripture says about the heart of the issue. It says in Luke chapter 12, verse 42, I'm going to read this to you. Jesus says, who then is the faithful and wise manager or steward? Who the master, who's God, puts in charge of his servants, that's us, to give them their food allowances as proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. See, we as God's asset managers, if you will, his stewards, his administrators, we have an opportunity. And the opportunity is to be entrusted with his stuff. It's not ours. It's all his. And the question that every one of us is going to have to wrestle with is simply this. Am I a trustworthy steward? Am I a good administrator for the Lord's possessions? And this is the principle that I want you to catch. It's not in the fill in the blank, but it's true. Is that our is that our faithfulness and our obedience in this area of our life will lead to blessing. But the opposite is true as well. So here's the question that only you can answer. Are you, am I, a trustworthy, good steward with the Lord's assets? That's something that we need to wrestle with right now, here in our life. So here it is. Number one, we need to we need to have a biblical view of Scripture. Uh, we, we, we need to to look at what Scripture says and put him first in the area of our finances. And then number three, if you're taking notes, if you would write this down, is that we need to establish a wise plan for spending. Uh, I know immediately you're thinking, oh, sounds like a budget. Yeah. Have you heard of the like, you know, the whole thing about like, you know, if you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. Have you heard that before? A lot of times people think to themselves, well, you know what, if I don't have a budget, it's just all going to work out. How's that working out? Doesn't work out very well. It gets you into a world of hurt. And so I call this the reality check part of being a good steward. 
And the truth is, is a lot of us don't exactly know what we've been entrusted with, but we know what our appetites are. You see, some of us have prime rib appetites with a hamburger helper budget. All right. Some of us have established a quality of life we become accustomed to. And all of a sudden we're wondering how in the world is it that we keep on accumulating so much debt? And the reason is, is because we have not become good stewards because we don't know what we've been entrusted with. If you would, let me read something out of scripture for you and I'm going to explain it to you because it makes a lot of sense. See, the scriptures say thousands of years before Jesus was even on the scene, the wisest person at the time, wealthiest person at the time, Solomon, said this in Proverbs chapter 27. I believe it's on your notes. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. So pause there. Solomon's talking about that's your business. That's your job. That's your income. That's your book of business. That your income is your herd, your flock. Make sure it's healthy. Make sure it is taken care of. He goes on to say, listen to this, because a lot of times what we'll do is we're going to put our hope in our jobs and our careers. And do our jobs and careers let us down sometimes? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So listen to what he says. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. What that means is that there's things and people and positions that we'll put our trust into, our hope into, and they're going to let us down every single time. But there's going to be one who will never let us down. And he's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, church. So there is something that we need to look at here and say is, is we, we need to have a reality check and say, what have I been entrusted with? And the reality check is, is a lot of times we put our eternal hope in something that is temporary. And we wonder to ourselves why we are living such lives of anxiety. So what I want to do is I want to give you something that I have been living by for over 20 years personally. And there's going to be three words. And if you have your notes, this is what I want you to do. I want to give you a plan. And here's the first plan. It's the plan that you would give. Would you write that down? That you would give. That you would give. What do I mean by give? What I mean by give is that you would honor God with the very first tenth of whatever it is that you've been entrusted with. A lot of times we think to ourselves, you know what? I can't afford to give back to God because I, I just don't have enough at the end of the month. And what I'm asking you to do is, is to consider giving God the first. See, there is a, in the Old Testament, there are so many different and in the New Testament, especially in the Old Testament, there are these promises that God makes. The very last prophet, the very last book in the Bible, in the Old Testament for the New Testament, was Malachi. And Malachi, for our friends in Italy, they call him Malachi. But Malachi, uh, he said these words, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, he says, Bring the whole tithe, that means tenth, to the storehouse that there may be food in the house, that means the church or the temple. Test me in this. Everyone say, test me. Test me in this and see if I'm not going to throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing on you that there will not be enough room to store it. What is he saying? He's saying is there is only one place in all of scripture where God says, I want you to test me. It's interesting to note. It's in the same area that Jesus spent more time talking about, and it's in the area of our finances. And so I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm talking about our love and our heart's devotion to our Lord. And scripture says, I want you to test me in this. And at the end of the day, our willingness and unwillingness to do this is going to reveal the condition of our heart. 
See, Scripture says it in a variety of different ways. Let me share one of them with you there in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. See, the Bible says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Have you heard that before? And the Lord just wants us to live lives of cheerfulness and joy and abundance and generosity. But sadly, what happens is is sometimes Christians especially lose the joy of being a giver. And they live in this area fearfully. So if you would, so I can offend everybody now, lean in and listen, okay? Here we go. You're going to, in this area, do one of two things, but you cannot do both at the same time. You're either going to be a fearful or a faithful follower of Jesus. You cannot walk by fear and faith at the same time. The choice is yours. And a fearful Christian lives a life of scarcity. And a faithful Christian lives a life of abundance. By the way, why do we live a life of abundance? Because whose is it anyway? God's. He has the cattle on how many hills? Thousands. Them all. He owns them all. He owns everything. So when you start looking at your resources, whose resources do you really represent? Who? God. And God is saying is, is what mine is yours and what yours is mine. And by the way, you got nothing. You got nothing. So I'm going to trust you. Will you be trustworthy? And to do that, what I want you to do is I want you to give me your first. I want you to give me your best. And at the end of the day, friends, this is an obedience issue. This is a lordship issue. I had a friend of mine a couple years ago, and this is a true story. He had made Jesus the savior of his life. And he was walking with Jesus, but he had not made him the Lord of his life in the area of his finances. And he racked up a bunch of debt, got himself into a world of hurt. And he even kind of blew up his life relationally. And he said to me, Pastor, would you rebaptize me? I'm like, why? You've been baptized once. He's like, ah, I was. I was younger. I didn't understand it all, but I get it now. I said, yeah, I mean, so we talked about it for weeks. He, he, we got, he, he got into the discipleship process. And he said, oh, by the way, and when I get baptized this time, I'm going to get baptized with my wallet in my back pocket as well. <laughs> because I want Jesus to be the Lord of my finances as well. And I just think to myself, I wonder if that's not something that we need to do today, is we need to be willing to look at this important, crucial area of our life as well. And so not only do we want to, not only do we want to give and not only do we want to save, if you would, um, would you write down that next word if it's on there somewhere, but it's the word save. That's going to pop up there. So give, honor God at the first. And the next fill in the blank should say, we got that Dex up there? There we go. All right, all right. Save, that we would wisely prepare for the future. And what that means is, is that we're going to get ourselves um, a savings account. Scriptures say that the wise store up for in moments of peril. There's also this idea that even the ants save. 
Solomon says this, if you would circle this on your notes, I think I wrote it there in, uh, in Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 6 to 8. Let me read this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Listen to what the ant does. Though it doesn't have a ruler or a commander to oversee it, verse 8, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. And even what Solomon is saying is, is even the ants know that we need to save. And so if I'm going to give you a couple of things that I want you to focus in on, the first one would be give. The second one would be save. That you would have some kind of a savings plan of some sort. Um, this is something that uh, Amy and I learned from a ministry called Crown Financial back in the day. You guys ever heard of Crown Financial Ministries? And then later, some guy, some crazy dude that sweats a lot, even more than me, named Dave Ramsey. You guys heard of Dave Ramsey before? And he talks about give, save, and if you would, write this last one down, if you would, on your notes, live. And that you would then live on the rest, the 80%. You see, the truth is that we've all been given a number. It's one dollar, it's ten, a hundred thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand, a million. It doesn't matter how many zeros you have been entrusted with. We've all been given something. And by the way, whose is it, everyone? Is it ours or is it God's? God's. And we have a decision to do. Am I going to prioritize my life based on what I think I should do or on what God says I should do? And so with the 80%, here's my question. This is, the, uh, this is a trick question, by the way, okay? With the 80%, can we spend it however we want? Yes or no? No. Why? Because even though we've been called to give the first tenth to the Lord and to save 10%, who still owns the other 80%? God. It's still His. And so here's something, and this is, by the way, you're going to regret coming to church today, okay? Because I'm going to give you three questions that I want you to ask. Do you end up spending things because we're feeling insecure? You guys heard that old phrase, keeping up with the Joneses? You guys heard that? You know the hard part about keeping up with the Joneses is? They keep on refinancing, right? You know what I mean? And you keep on trying to be like, how do they afford that? Why are they going on that vacation? How do they get that? And, and at the heart of keeping up with the Joneses, and by the way, the Joneses could be a family member. It could be a coworker, It could be a neighbor. It could be somebody on the internet that doesn't even exist. But there's this, there's this idea that I'm feeling insecure. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to experience retail therapy to make me feel just a little bit better. And we do that. And what happens is, is we struggle with this really important biblical principle. And it's the biblical principle of contentment. Everyone say contentment. Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'll tell you what, if you're serious about wanting to live a godly, great gain life, you need to realize something. Your standard of living is not somebody else's standard of living. I heard it said one time by a pastor, he says there's no win in comparison. You're either going to be prideful or depressed. Because someone's always going to have more or someone's going to have less and you can be prideful. So what am I saying? I'm saying is, is when we put God first, when we save, and when we say, God, does this honor you? It has a way of making us content. Number two, if you would write this down. This is never a fun one. I don't like this word. But would you write down the word humble? In our spending, is it a want or is it a need? You know, we talked about the, uh, we talked about the, the, the virus a couple of years ago and, you know, the, the influenza virus. 
Well, Americans, unfortunately, we have a secret virus, and it's called the affluenza virus. And it's this need to continue to have more and get more and expand. And we don't talk about it, and we don't know how to vaccinate against it. There was a book outside of the, a couple that I've already mentioned that made a profound impact on me when I was in college. It's a book called, it's not a Christian book, so don't, don't, don't come at me. But the name of the book is called The Millionaire Next Door. And the premise of this book called The Millionaire Next Door basically says the people who look like they're millionaires aren't, and the people who don't look like, look like millionaires are. And I learned that lesson a really unique way. I was a, one of my jobs in college was I was a bank teller for Wells Fargo Bank. And I would see these people walk in looking all bedazzled, right? Looking all for show. And I would see their bank accounts and it was like low. And then I'd see this other person coming in all inconspicuous. Looking kind of almost a little bit homeless, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, you know, like, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're looking at the, you're looking at their accounts and you're like, oh my gosh. And, and, and it's an interesting thing is that a lot of times people live lives to try to pretend to be somebody that they're not. It's actually in the Bible. It says, it says this, um, that the rich, uh, uh, actually says this, one person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another person pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Proverbs 13, verse 7. And I'm just going to say one of the greatest ways that we've gotten ourselves in trouble is getting in all kinds of debt. Friends, debt is not God's best for your life. Amen, church? It's just not. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly to the fullest. And there's no way when you're looking at paying those minimums that you're ever going to feel like you're truly thriving and that you're living. And so here's the third thing that I want you to write down. It's this idea of just getting rid of debt. And it's called the hustle. It's just hustling. It's getting rid of it. It's just saying, I I hate being in debt. And your financial advisor is going to say, there's some good debt. I don't disagree. However... Oftentimes, we get caught up in paying for mistakes of our previous years. So the number one thing that a couple's going to fight about is going to be finances. The number one issue of strain is going to be finances. And the reason oftentimes is, is because of crippling consumer debt. Proverbs 20, 22, verse 7. This is Dave Ramsey's favorite verse, by the way, if you ever listen to him. He says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. You guys ever feel enslaved to something? That's not a very politically correct word to say, by the way. So I'm kind of cautious even saying it. But I'm saying is, is that if you're feeling enslaved by debt, can I encourage you to do something? Is just start paying it off. There's this thing that Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball. And you just start paying off the, 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 the easiest ones first and then the harder ones until the really, really hard ones at the end. And then you will start living a better life. Trust me. If you need help, there are resources. You can email me, brent at bethanychurchfresno.com. I want to speak, though, transparently. And, and I didn't even tell Amy I was going to say this, so I might be in trouble. So pray for us later. Okay, so here we go. Early on in marriage, I brought some debt into the relationship. And we had these things called credit cards. And we got ourselves into some credit card debt. And we went to a financial advisor, and the financial advisor said, you need to stop spending, you need to get on a budget. So we started actually putting cash in envelopes, 
and we literally froze our credit card. No, 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 really. We got a bowl of water. We put our card in the bowl of water and we put it in the freezer. Did we or did we not? And we would, if there's a purchase that we wanted to make, we let it thaw. And after about 12 hours, if it thawed and it was still a good idea, we would, we would maybe do it. Here's hard. The hard thing is, is our phones are now our credit cards. And so I'm, we, what we need to do is we need to realize that, that, that when, when things change, we need to kind of change with the times, but the biblical principles are still there. And that is, is that, um, we needed to right size our life and our lifestyle. And one of the easiest things was going to be is like, well, gosh, we got this 10% right here. And I just want to say that would have been the worst thing that we have ever done. We invited Christ to come into our finances 27 years ago, and we've not looked back. I invite you to do the same. See, here's the fourth step, if you would write this down as the band makes their way up and we close our time together. And the fourth step is is simply this, is that you would choose to be a cheerful giver. That you would choose to be a cheerful giver. Um, and, And I know right now that some of you are struggling to be cheerful based on your circumstances and situation. So let me go ahead and say that maybe be like a grumpy giver. I don't know. Whatever it's going to take. You know, the whole like fake it till you make it kind of a thing. I'm just going to go ahead and meddle just a little bit longer and maybe never see some of you again. But here we go. (laughs) I promise you, I want nothing from you. We're good. Bethany Church was good before me. And it's going to be even better when I'm gone. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I'm good. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. That's not the plan unless someone has plans for me. Um, My point is, is that a lot of times some of you are thinking to yourself, oh, the giving must be off or ah, church must be really friends. I need to let you know we're good. God is good. This is not about trying to extract anything from you. This is I want everything for you. I don't want you to leave here today thinking, oh man, they turned up the heat, locked the doors, took third offering. Friends, we don't pass a basket here. We're not doing high pressure sales tactics. If, if, if pup roughs you up for a scholarship, that's good. That's a good thing to do, right? For a good cause. But what I want to share with you is the final Bible verse. And I want to acknowledge that I gave uh, the team the wrong Bible verse. So if you would, I want you to write in the right one. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 7, it's not 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But this is what it says. It says that each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not under reluctance or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, that's the end of the day. If the Lord is your Lord. And by the way, for those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, we're We're betting the house on this deal that Jesus says who he is is who he is. Do you guys track what I'm saying here? So if you're trusting your eternity with a guy who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, can you trust him by putting him first as not only your Savior, but your Lord? You're hoping that he doesn't let you down eternally. Amen? Why would he let you down tomorrow? Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray. So Lord God, as we close now, What I want to do is I want to close this time the way I opened it. So if you feel so comfortable, would you put your hand on your heart? And so, Lord, right now, I pray for our hearts, God, that our hearts would beat for the things that beat for yours. 
that, Lord God, it is not about us. It's all about you. God, this is all your stuff. It's not ours. Thank you, God, though, that you are such a good father. And what good father wouldn't give his kids good gifts? And so as we close in this final song, as we get ready to leap into another week living for you, I pray that it would be said about us that we would be good and faithful servants, good and faithful stewards. Lord God, if there's somebody in here that hasn't given their life yet to you, Jesus Christ, I pray that you'd reveal them to you as their hand is on their heart, that you would acknowledge your presence there, that their sinfulness would be examined and Holy Spirit by them asking forgiveness. Lord God, by by giving their brokenness to you, Jesus, you're going to exchange their sin for purity, forgiveness and salvation. And for those of us that have given our lives to you and you are our savior, but maybe you've not been the Lord of every part of our life today, our finances next week, our time the following week, our talents. Lord God, we want to be disciples that make disciples. We want to be Christians who live like Christians, not for our glory, but for yours. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. We've got our team that's going to come. We'd love to pray with you either now or after the service during this final song. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.